Welcome to the Truth on Sundays podcast, where we're seeking deeper answers to questions about faith, Christianity, and the church. The goal is not necessarily to make up your mind for you, but rather to make your mind work. Today's topic is, why do I need to come to church if I already have a relationship with God? Our special guest today is Dr. Leonzo Lynch, pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church and president of the General Baptist State Convention of North Carolina. Welcome, Dr. Lynch. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for setting this up. No problem. So why don't we jump right in to the question? Why do I need to come to church if I already have a relationship with God, if I'm already spiritual? Relationships take work. And one of the ways a relationship grows is spending time together. If you're in a relationship with an individual, the relationship grows richer when you are together. It's sort of like... um long-distance relationships are difficult even though we have technology now where you can talk on the telephone you have skype facetime and other uh, video conference call items but there's always a deeper strength that comes when you return to the physical presence of the person you're in relationship with similar to that is relationship with god it takes coming together to grow your relationship with God. Part of that growth comes by being with other believers. Other believers have the ability to help encourage, help speak into your life, help deposit different spiritual nuggets into your life that you wouldn't ordinarily get if you were just at home alone. So that makes a difference in being in the, in the fellowship and in the body. So couldn't the argument be made that that relationship can be strengthened via prayer and prayer occurs at all times, at all places? Prayer occurs at all times and all places, but prayer doesn't take the place of um, being in together in worship together with other believers. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about the other believers. Mm -hmm. A lot of the reasoning behind not coming to church once you get past the well, I'm spiritual is church folk or right. church people or church insert name here. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about those who may not be as encouraging or may be discouraging or may be a turnoff to people? Is it what those people are doing, the church folks per se, or is it my uh, inability to adjust to environments or is it both? It's a combination. When you come to the when you come to church, when you come in the fellowship, we are among people. People are very, very imperfect. People are very, very difficult sometimes to get along with. Our main goal in coming to church is not just for people, but God's presence among people. In church, you have the same issues you have outside of church. You have people that are close. There are people that are different Part, different points on their spiritual maturity. So you have some people that are non-believers, but they're in the crowd. You have believers that are in the crowd. You have new believers in the crowd. So people are at different spiritual levels of their growth. Some of the people that are difficult to get along with are difficult to get along with in the grocery store, difficult to get along with at the dry cleaners at the gas station. They're just difficult people. But we don't hide or not come to avoid 
difficult people because they're everywhere. They're in our schools. If we go to work, they're at work. Wherever we are, they are there. So how do we get away from that? So you have to come, focus on God, and God, God can shield you from a lot of that. So why is it that, that there's less patience for church than there would be at a dry cleaners or a gym, right? You look at the gym in the beginning of the year, there's that person who's running backwards on the treadmill using the machines wrong. People don't leave the gym because of that. Right. Why is there less patience? The expectation by many is that church people are already perfect. But this is the most imperfect place. A church is a hospital. This is the place where people come to get spiritually better, to grow, to heal from some of the wounds of life, to get strengthened from some of the weaknesses that have hit them in life and some of the things that have weakened their spiritual growth, drama and trauma that has come in their life. The church is a hospital. The thought that some may have is that people are already perfect when they're here. So when I come here and I get, I have an encounter with someone who's not so nice or who doesn't know how to talk to people, is magnified because, oh, that's how church people are. That's how people are at the gym, grocery store, everywhere. But in the household of God, our focus can't be on people. Our focus has to be on making a spiritual connection with God while we are here. Which makes sense, but we've talked about people at different levels of spiritual maturity, mm -hmm. right? So is it is when we ask people to focus just on God and nothing else, right, you know, day one as they walk into the church, which is what we're asking them to do, is it the same as if you're familiar with like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, are we asking people to self-actualize themselves before they have food, water, and shelter, before they have other relationship? Are we asking them to jump to the very peak of Christianity and not giving them time or space to take those steps? We're asking them to take the first step. Okay. We're asking them to begin their focus. Mm -hmm. And depending upon what step they happen to be on on the staircase, we'll determine where they are with that. Do you feel that the church does a good job of uh, setting different paths for different people in different situations, or no. is there a desire to... <laughs> we don't. <laughs> we don't, because we still work on a whole lot of things. Okay. The church, we are still evolving as how to best minister to the needs of believers. Part of the issue is that the needs keep changing, and needs change with each generation. So what the church did 60 years ago was cutting edge and was earth shattering for 60 years ago. Mm -hmm. And some churches, depending upon their leadership and their focus, are still operating as they did 60 years ago. But the generations that are in our pews currently have a different set of needs need still but the way the how that we do it has to change and the church i think sometimes we do a good job at it and sometimes i think we miss the entire target so you just mentioned the how has to change yeah what would you recommend some of those changes be uh, especially with your position being over a, a state convention and a responsibility to churches across the state and really a responsibility to christianity period 
what would you recommend or think that some of those changes might be? The first thing I think that we have to do, churches, local, state, our county, region, everywhere, we've got to admit that we've got to make some changes. We've got to admit that some of the things we do work very well. Some of the things we do never work. We just held on to them. Like what? Some of our teaching methods, I think, are kind of antiquated. Okay. In terms of the way people learn and the way we teach don't always match. For example, in our Sunday schools, there were times in which many churches were locked into a book series called the International Sunday School Lesson mm -hmm. that came from the publisher. And the publisher decided for the next 52 weeks for this year, these are the lessons you're going to study. And you bounce from this book in the Bible to just like a pinball machine approach. You would go from Leviticus and then the next two or three weeks, you're in Revelation. The next three or four weeks, you're in Malachi. Mm -hmm. Then you leave Malachi, you go to Genesis. Mm -hmm. You leave there, you come to Matthew for a while, then Mark for a while. Then you're in Romans. When you leave Romans, you go to Habakkuk. So students stay dizzy <laughs> just trying to keep up with the class. So when I say some of the things that we do don't work, mm -hmm. our teaching methods, I don't really believe people learn like that. I think that if you take what we tried to do here at Ebenezer in Charlotte to try to take classes and focus on some topics for longer periods of time until we can dig deeper and get clearer understanding and clearer engagement over the issues and topics that we deal with. If we take, for example, a class dealing with prayer, if we teach on prayer one Sunday and a person had to work that Sunday, they missed it all together. So, but if we teach on prayer for six Sundays, in that time, if my job schedule keeps changing, I can get two or three out of the six. I've got a better chance of incorporating what I've learned into my life and in my family than if I just missed it all together. So when I say the teaching methods have to change, that's one of the examples. So the how that I'm talking about is this. How do we take the same gospel, Christ is the answer, Jesus is still the, our strength, how do we communicate that to younger generations using language that is understandable by younger generations? When the church uses what some may consider to be church talk, many people, I think, miss it. If a new believer walks in and I tell that person, you've got to be covered in the blood, that most likely won't make any sense in the world. So they've already started off being baffled at why are they talking to me about blood and why are they going to put it on me? <laughs> so it shifts my thinking and I'm already kind of leery. I said, I may be in the wrong place because I'm not understanding what they're speaking about. If I've been in church or if I grew up in a family and heard some of the church language, things may be familiar. But we can't make that assumption now. A few, about six months ago, I was um, preaching at a church and when I finished and was on my way to the car, 
the young gentleman that was helping with my briefcase and my bags and what had not to get me to the parking lot and in the car was talking about his spiritual growth. And he said, Pastor, I enjoyed your message tonight. He said, I've been here at this church now for six years when I got married. So I'm 36 years old, but I'm new to church. So he said, many people you know grew up black and Baptist. I grew up black, but I, no one in my family went to church. I saw churches in the neighborhood. We never went inside one unless there was a funeral or something, and that was not often. He said, so I, my spiritual journey began when he got married and started to learn and beginning his spiritual growth at that time. So I have to keep in my mind that when we are teaching, preaching, worship, planning, whatever it might be, to plan for the person who this is brand new, to try to cover some of the elementary fundamental bases. So the how has to include making sure that whatever it is we're talking about is explained in a way that all can catch it. A person who's been in church 30 years or a person who's been in church for three days. Well, uh, Pastor, to your point, my name is Ricky, Ricky Rosier. I want to introduce myself. To your point, I would like to say about the language piece. I think the biggest thing with that, I think we could... As far, as far as like your perspective to kind of understand that someone who may not have grew up in a church, so they hear their uh, past um, being covered in the blood, need context to that. So having that context will make, okay, like now I understand, hey, this is talking about, you know, the Passover or dealing with Jesus and, you know, us being protected due, due to his sacrifice for our, for our lives. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things that, you know, previous generation could take like takeaways to address the younger generation. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually had a question as far as one of the potential um, differences in this new era is streaming. So how do you feel when it comes to uh, live stream or services you can go ahead, go online to watch taking kind of in place of actually physically being in the church? What is your thoughts on that? I think live streaming is good, but I don't think it can take the place of it. I think that it helps to supplement what we do. Mm-hmm. If um, if that's our only connection, we're getting only a partial connection. Right. In my mind, I still think it has a, it has a different. It makes a difference to come and be in the body of spiritual like minded persons, the saintly fellowship the um the connection that comes with that i am learning that learning is taking a different pathway now for example i hear of colleges and persons that take classes strictly online Mm -hmm. it's a bit past my comprehension (laughs) but i've never taken an online class i've never taught an online class but in my understanding, it's probably more difficult if all I'm doing is reading what's on the screen. For sure. Now, I do not know if online includes like a video conference concept or not. I have really I've not delved into it. Mm-hmm. But um, I learned more being in the class to hear the discussion, the questions that came up, the questions that came as a result of that set of questions and the questions that came after that and the discussion that that led to which I think 
allows people to contribute to the learning and development of all. Um, yeah, my name is Theodore, and I was just going to go back on what you were talking about, where it's just like people don't want to come because of like church folk and like that church mentality. And I, be, I think the really big thing that uh, the problem that the church is having is that people really need to be focusing on the fact that the Bible says, come as you are. And I feel like that is something that is forgot about a lot, especially, you know, especially because especially the Baptist church, it has certain traditions. It has a certain way of doing things. And, you know, for me, you know, I've grown up in all my life, so it's old. I know what to do. But for someone that is new, mm -hmm. they may not even begin to realize like the deep amount of traditions. Like, for instance, like you show up and it's like, you know, you show up in a dress uh, dress, or you show up in a suit. You know, it's little things like that. And I also think that come as you are, um, it's also important for like the older generation to understand that the younger generation does things that the older generation didn't even could conceptualize being able to have the ability to do. Like for instance, like simple things like just growing your hair out. Right. You know, it's little things like that where it's just like, you know, like you were saying, 60 years ago, growing your hair out means you could never get a job. Correct. You know, and now you have people that have full-on locks and froze and they're CEOs or they're like really high people in their jobs. Mm -hmm. So it's little things like that that I really feel like people need to remember. Like the big thing is come as you are. If they're coming to praise and worship, then let them come how they want to come praise and worship. Right. I think on going off of that same topic as far as traditions, one thing about traditions I feel is that they work. You know, traditional are traditions because they've worked in the past. And there's some things about, I feel like, the, the way that Baptist church operates that are great. Uh, but you got kind of have to choose your battles, especially during dealing with the new generation. Um, so, you know, for your example, talking about coming in different hairstyles, this and that. I would I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if you have some organizations some churches who will would go to the extreme like oh and, and scold the person because they might not not came you know with the hair a certain way which kind of uh, really can turn off a lot of people or turn off or maybe some some piercings like oh man look at that person with a this this and that type of piercing and so that those little small like notions can really start to curve an entire generation because like, oh this was one person who came from a university had that type of experience at this church and then now they're not going to bring the next four or five friends over and right, so like there's right. th that's i think starts to uh have that gap and so if you look at even like certain holidays whether it be thanksgiving or christmas like people are would not be as excited about christmas as they are today if we you know practice the same traditions of going out singing carols and, you know, being able to, you know, do that. People, I think rarely people even do the trees, like live trees in the homes anymore. So it's like certain traditions that might, might stick like, hey, maybe you might have cookies for Santa, you know, the night before. But, you know, everybody's really focusing on the big shopping sales or doing this or maybe Thanksgiving, people getting together with their family to have the experience of doing Black Friday shopping. So those are the new things that kind of take away from, from the traditions. But are growing the attention of the holiday season, mm -hmm. you know? So I think that would be something to potentially look into to gain more people to be physically in the church to kind of bend some of the traditional, uh, uh, I guess, boundaries and, and allow more people to kind of feel more accepted in the church. So it's a generational connection 
that has to be focused on and has to be intentional because some of the things we were just talking about here, such as attire, what do you wear and how you wear your hairstyle. Mm -hmm. With the different generations we have in a church, you still have generations that grew up, as Theodore said, in a time in which if you had a certain hairstyle, you could not get a job. You couldn't get a job. You couldn't feed your family. You can't feed your family. It's a domino effect. Right. So they were taught in order to survive in the two worlds, I have to do what I need to do so I can get a job and do those other things. Mm -hmm. The other thing about some of the older generations that worked in certain areas where they were not able to dress in terms of dress dresses and suits and shirts and ties because they were working either in a plant or working in a area where it required them to wear rugged work clothes, work boots and whatnot for safety and different things. They felt at that time coming to church was their opportunity to, to put on their finest and the concept was taught back in the day, so to speak, that you gave God your best and it was displayed by the fact you came dressed in your, there was a word called Sunday best. Mm-hmm. I think it was a, maybe a television show or something out here now with that. I'm, I'm not sure of the connection. But <laughs> people went out of their way so that on Sunday they could wear and they could dress and they could be in the suits and the, the ladies could wear their hats and different things. Our workforce has evolved to be more casual in attire so that those who are now in corporate where it used to be a suit and tie world, that has come to casual Friday is casual Monday through Friday, (laughs) depending upon where you work. So attitudes are just different because depending upon when you were born, that's what you grew up with. And if you didn't have the exposure to the other, you're wondering why why they don't like the fact I'm in jeans and a T-shirt. I'm comfortable. And the Bible says, come as you are, and that we ought to be able to come to God as we are. But when I do that, I get looks and I get stares and different things. So it has to be a connection with the generations that's intentional, and we have to talk and be focused on some of these things. So there's a nuance to everything. And we've talked a lot about societal changes, not just in church, but if you go to a graduation. My grandfather was big in education. He was a professor at a college. He would never come to a graduation in anything less than a full-out suit. You got people who go to graduations now, you know, like getting ready to play basketball right afterwards. Um, Weddings. Used to be you wouldn't go to a wedding without putting on the absolute best that you had. Now people show up to weddings like, I didn't realize there was a wedding today. Right. And it's... It's more about what's inside, of course, but there has been a shift in society. So from a church perspective and in terms of reasoning, people might not come, which is I feel judged, right, which is the word we wanted to get to. It's really about judgment. What are your thoughts on one judgment and two, should the church push back on some of the shift or should the church fully embrace all the shift or is there a middle ground there? When we talk about the shift and the transitions, and which way the church should lean or lead, we got to be careful because one of the things about the church 
it's not the church's job to determine what culture is going to be, but it's the church's job to help a person to grow and mature. So you have to find a way to balance so that attire and hairstyle and these type of things, yes, it's come as you are. My personal opinion is, is casual attire with respect to the house of the Lord in that you we're coming as we are, but we're not going to the beach. So um, you can be casual, you can be relaxed, but at the same time, you don't want to dress in such a way that it is such a major distraction to the people around you. Isn't that subjective? It is. And I haven't figured out a way around that yet. <laughs> <laughs> now, one thing you just mentioned as far as the church leading uh, the community, how do you feel? Do you feel like it's the kind of same, or do you see it as the like the that the culture, like the, the church needs to kind of follow the culture trend? Or do you, do you feel like at this time, the church still needs to try to have a certain position and want to lead off of that position, that standard? Because it seems like, in, in, you know, I would imagine that previously, back in, back in like you said, quote unquote, back in the day, how are the church led? That's how the, the surrounding communities led, by, you know, by, by the church's example. Mm -hmm. But now I think with, you know, Technology, social media, the music, and people being able to connect with others via, you know, technology or whatever, that now the church is kind of taking a back seat because they're not just hearing the message from the church around the corner, but they're hearing the message from, you know, the, you know, the music artists across the country and this and that. So, like, my question is, does the church need to take position of, you know, the lead, uh, taking the lead? on their standpoint or do they try to follow the culture trend and find their place within the culture now today to, to kind of get people's attention where everybody's at? I guess sort of a combination. I think the church has to make sure that whatever we are doing mm -hmm. is biblically, biblically based and authentic to our purpose and our calling so that we don't have to duplicate what culture is doing but we had to be the best at being the church. So we have to make sure that what we are focusing on, we can find in the scripture that we are teaching what's in the scripture, that everything can be based on the Bible, mm -hmm. not just what's popular. Because things that are popular, trends change and trends come and go. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm not sure if I'm answering the question at all. Um, I think the big thing is to go back to your point earlier is that the church has to learn how to pick its battles and see where it wants to be. Because as uh, Dr. Lynch says, um, everything the church does has to be biblically based. So no matter what the culture is doing or shifting, it has, the church has to stay biblically based. And that's why it goes back to pick your battles. Because there are some battles that the church just does not need to be involved in like because because that's not the purpose of the church example i mean for me like this is my own personal opinion um the church doesn't need to be invested in matters of government because that's not the church's purpose the church shouldn't have a stance you know on politics or like things like that the that's not the church's purpose to be involved with things like uh 
politics. So, um, like, the church can say what it wants to its congregation, but it shouldn't be, like, if there, for instance, if there's a certain legislator up for, uh, up on the stand, I just don't think it's the church's place to be saying, we need to, we need y'all to vote like this, or we need you to do like this, because that's stepping out of boundaries. Um, the church, the church needs to be able to educate its members, but understand that there are places where the church should not be. Your thoughts on that? Yes, I look at that, and when I look at politics in the church, I don't believe it's the church's role to tell people how to vote, but I think it is our role to say you need to vote and be an informed voter. That is very true. Vote your conviction. But I think it's, it's important for us to stress that social action and social justice is a part of who the church, who we are. We, we are not legislative bodies as the state house or state senate or the government when they're voting on things. But we don't remove ourselves because we live in the world and we are affected by these politics, but to be participate in the electoral process, but be informed on what you're doing and who you're voting for and who you're supporting or who you're not going to support and know why. It's not our job to endorse candidates, so to speak, but say meet all of them and then you make an informed decision. Now, I have a question. With um, the idea, I think you might have mentioned it earlier, just a few minutes ago, about uh, when you have, you know, um, congregation, you like to try to pe- preach from the Bible and like teach lessons from the Bible. Have you thought of maybe with the new era, new generation, you got a lot of kids and young folks just coming into the church and not really having much reference to the Bible or maybe not much, uh, I guess, uh, acknowledgement of the Bible as far as how majestic it could be or, or, or what have you. But but so when you teach from the Bible, they might like, okay, you know, another biblical story, yada, 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 sounds the same, cool. But how does that gonna, you know, how does that apply to my life today? So, you know, what, what are your thoughts as far as like maybe preaching to what kids are, or young folks are going through today as far as maybe relationship issues or being able to have the confidence to make that step, that leap of faith type of step, or whatever is going on with your typical, you know, 18 to 35-year-old person to have them feel like, okay, man, this church is really preaching to what I'm going through in my life today versus a biblical story that happened, you know, hundreds of years ago. The challenge, I think, of all preaching and teaching is the area of life application. Mm. The challenge is, the greatest challenge is, how do I take Moses at the Red Sea, a biblical story from centuries ago, mm-hmm. and make that relevant to an individual 20, 40, 60 years old living in this day and time and connect it right. to show the relevance of why it's important to know their biblical story but also know the God of that biblical story is still the God of today and how that applies to 
my life on Tuesday afternoon when I'm at work and I'm aggravated and I got to make some choices. Right. That's the greatest challenge in terms of, of what I look at, the role of the church preaching and teaching. What would help me as a pastor, and um, I've asked some for this and some have given some ideas, but I need additional ideas. What are some topics, issues, and things that you feel you need to hear from in terms of teaching and preaching that would strengthen your current journey where you are right now today? Those are some things I would like to hear. Yeah. Maybe not this second, but if you, yeah, yeah, if no, you have yeah. them in your mind yeah. now, <laughs> or if you can write them out or whatever, but that would be very helpful so that we stay. My goal is to stay relevant and fresh because the Bible is ageless and timeless. For sure. My job and the job of the church is to make it applicable and life application for t today, current for today. So I wanted to wrap up and get you out of here on this question. Okay. For the person who's listening to this podcast and is on the fence, right, and keeping with the goal of the podcast, which is not to make up people's minds for them, but to make their mind work, what would you want them to think about as they sat on the fence? About the issue of coming to church? Coming well, to church. The benefit of coming to church and the difference in not coming to church, I think I can sum it up as like this. Not coming to church is sort of like kissing on the phone. It's just not quite the same. I think that's great. <laughs> so, all right. So thank you very much for your time today. And this has been Truth on Sundays. Mm -hmm.